We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This is episode 272 of the pod alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso. Plenty to get to here on this fine Wednesday. I believe we're a few days removed from a, a Bears victory on Monday, which meant a Bears victory Tuesday, which means a recap Wednesday. And I can only help but take, I don't know, like tough to put a number on it, but I'm going to take about seven percent of the responsibility for the bears <laughs> win on monday night because of the talking to that i gave i gave them on the podcast you think, you think they heard the pod the only explanation is that the pod made its way through the locker room and the mm-hmm. response was exactly what i wanted to see matt how are you, you after seeing that response uh you gave him some bulletin board material joe That's I, it. yeah i think Flus must have just had that transcript up on the whiteboard all week uh i'm doing a lot better than i thought i was that that, that i thought we'd be doing this morning That's i thought definitely. this was going to be a uh, another day of you know saying hopefully justin played well and you know diagnosing what went wrong where and quite honestly after zappy came in and put him up 14 to 10 i kind of thought that's where we were still heading um but no I'm Matt, I think ready. a lot of what you're saying, I think a lot of what you're saying there too, and I, we'll get into the minutia of the game and some of the mm-hmm. numbers, but like a little bit more of the existential here. Let's, let's delve into. Sure. And what really made me think about it was the new England situation of Mac getting booed and him having what, I don't know, 19 career games under his belt yeah. right now, and then being ready to move on to the next thing. And the way that we judge fields on a week to week basis, like it is so snap to snap game to game, week to week, year to year. Like what, what is the proper assessment point for us to make statements about quarterbacks? Because it doesn't feel like it's ever the time. Like fields looks awful for three straight weeks and then comes out the game plan leans into what he does best and looks mm-hmm. like he could be a starting quarterback in the NFL for an extended amount of time. Uh, you have two quarterbacks in New England, each of which brings, I, I don't know, I, I don't know how big the difference is between one to the other. Time will bear that out. But what yeah. is the window where we can sit down and say, Justin Fields is the quarterback, or it is Bailey Zappi because over a seven game span, he was better than Mac Jones. It's seven enough. Like, when can we make these statements? It's really, really difficult. And this might sound like a cop-out answer, but it's, it's truly situation to situation. Like Justin Fields situation is completely different from Mac Jones's situation because Jones, like you said, is at 19 or whatever it is starts, but they have all been under, I, I know technically it's a new offensive coordinator, but it's all been under the same system because it's the Patriot way and it's the Patriot system. So I think you're kind of getting to the point where you can judge him. Fields obviously is different because last year was under Matt Nagy and not only was under a different coaching regime, but he was playing for an idiot. This year, it's a new coaching regime. It's a new offensive coordinator who's learning his quarterback, who's learning his personnel, who's also learning his way as an offensive coordinator coming from a quarterback's coach. So, like, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve there. And it's, it's again, it sounds like a cop-out answer, but it's different from situation to situation because every situation is different. There is no right or wrong. I mean, I guess you know okay, when, so maybe, you maybe know that's when it's the answer over. To those, maybe that, that, that's the answer to those two specific yeah. questions is the um, – 
uh, breadth in talent between Justin Fields and Trevor Simeon and, and that of Mac Jones and mm-hmm. Bailey Zappi is far different. Also, the situations which they were acquired in is far different. Kind of odd that you spend a draft pick, even it be a fifth or sixth, whatever Zappi was the year after you spend a first on Mac Jones. So mm-hmm. I get what you're saying here where it's situation to situation, but like what's enough leash for Mac Jones? So he here's my, I, he wasn't given it, you know, he, I, I, he, hurt, I his, totally he hurt his ankle. He came out probably less than a hundred percent. I don't care if Bill Belichick before the game said, Hey, if you're banged up or if we need a spark or however it was sold to him. No, dude, I'm your starting quarterback and I get it. You earn the job, but I earned the job in August. Now it's my job until I play poor enough. I'm not allowed to throw an interception. Yeah. Albeit a bad one. I'm not allowed to throw a pick. It what is the harm? Like in- even from a coach, standpoint nobody knows when the time is right time wasn't right in pittsburgh to make the change to kenny pickett time wasn't right in new england to make the change here to bailey zappy like i feel like the coaches even at this point don't know when to like play the double dutch and make the change no like what is the harm in if you're not telling bill belichick what to do here um what is the harm in telling mac jones who's coming off a high ankle sprain which is not just tweaking another an ankle this is a injury that keeps people out sometimes two months. Like this is a dude, like I get it. You want to come back. Like he's playing well, you're our guy, but like you're coming off an ankle injury, a high ankle sprain, take some time. We're just going yeah. to take a little bit of time. You're going to sit an extra week or two, buy yourself some extra time. Bailey Zappi, who looks like he might be a fine NFL quarterback, whether that's a career backup, whether that's a guy who, you know, bounces around has some starting jobs, whatever. Wait till that magic runs out. Then we're going to come back, and I don't. Like, he was Tom Brady after two that. drives. He was yeah. Tom Brady. That was he was Tom Twitter. Brady. Yeah, until he was Tom Brady. That's it. Oh, he just got Bledsoe. First of all, Drew Bledsoe was a freaking Pro Bowler for a decade. Yes. Mac Jones well, barely I, sniffed the league. So, like, let, let's relax. Um, we've come into this game at a very weird angle, Matt. Uh, let's talk Bears on it because mm, uh, we will get to. to plenty across the league, and quarterback headlines are always uh, making the most noise. That is the case across the league right now, but. Our quarterback played well, and I think this was a nice step for Justin. But furthermore, I saw this as Luke Getze's best effort yet and Matt Eberflus's best effort yet and having his team prepared. You could say the win against San Francisco because it took a lot of Mm -hmm. this, that, and the other to get that done. But like actual football game, game plan that they put in place, then then executed. It was Chicago Bears football. It was run the football, take the ball away. And now we ran the football in inventive and interesting ways. I'd even consider some of those looks off the edge to Herbert. That's running. That's just getting to your edge. Extension of the run game, 100%. Exactly. It's getting your edge and run it. But that's what you see from Kyle Shanahan. That's what you see from Andy Reid. That's what you see from these minds on getting the ball out of the box, but still into run looks. It was run the ball, take the ball away, and they executed awesome. Like I, I There's nothing to be critical about in terms of what we did offensively, defensively, they defended the run better. They took the ball away at a higher rate. Like it was, it was an effort. Like you said, I did not expect out of this team. No. And I, I think I've said this before, but six seventy has Trent Dilfer on every week and he breaks down, it essentially breaks down grades. Just I have that. I meant Dilfer. to listen to that. Yesterday. It is, I have a it is right really, now. really good. And on it, like the, the bad starts were weird. He kind of sounds like a little bit homerish where he's trying. I don't honestly think he's trying to make it sound better than this. He's truly giving an assessment, but the Patriots game was more like I was expecting it to just be all awesome thing. He's like, yeah, no, Justin Fields was, was really good, but there were some things here and there that he could clean up. So it was an interesting aspect to listen to. But I'm glad he touched on the running game there and gets his effort because he said something here that kind of stuck with me. And he, I think he, something along the lines of the great like offensive minds, the best offensive minds in the game, scheme the run game the best. Because scheming the pass mm-hmm. game, it's – 
you can scheme all you want in the pass game. But what it comes down to are the same few concepts that everybody's been running for a long time now, having a quarterback who can make a throw and having a receiver that can get separation. Obviously, there's some ways to scheme some people open. For the most part, it's the same couple schemes, and it's just getting people open. be reductive in my art format. You know what? Yeah, but Joe, you were, you were good at it. You were good at You got open. That's why it's you ba- it, it, it's based off of It's based off of a couple different ways to exploit yes. a couple different coverages. Whereas I get what you're running saying. The, running the football, you, ha- like, <clears> you have to get very creative ways in how you, you create and how you scheme that up, how you block certain people, how you give people different looks. And Luke Getze absolutely did that. And I think this game was, we talked about all year and it especially showed or showed even more in this game. I think the Bears defense is allowing five points on average in the second half, which is just amazing, the exact opposite of what we're used mm-hmm. to. But they had not a full buy, but like, a, you know, the, the mini buy or whatever. And what did they do? They used that time to come up with the best scheme possible. They made adjustments and they took their time and they came up with a great game plan. I think, I think it's an extension of what we see them do at halftime each week. They're, they're able There's to take so time, much better in game. Take a step back. This and, coaching yeah, staff adjust. is so but much better in game. Nagy was, was 0 for 4 off the bye and they always look terrible and confused. This team took the time on a, on a mini bye week. And again, not a full bye, but like a mini bye. But still, I, like, as bad as the commander's game was, that's a tough spot for a young team in a short week with a first time play caller, all that. And it doesn't excuse it, but uh, yeah, I don't want to that, that isn't asked, but yeah. what I'm going to like, it, <laughs> what, I, what I'm just getting at is it's the exact opposite here. You saw them struggle in that spot, but it's nice to see them get this chance where they got the few extra days and they came together with a absolutely perfect game plan on both sides of the football. And they executed. We talked about last week, how they have some young pieces. We need to see them start executing. This game was all about execution. They executed everything to a T and they kicked the shit out of a Patriots team that didn't play very well, but was also one of the hottest teams in football. Yeah, let's not let's not let's not joke around. That's a Patriots team and a Patriots defense specifically that have been balling out for like yeah. 10, they 12 15 quarters. points combined in the last two weeks. Um, you know, we asked the question of when can you assess quarterbacks? It might be a little more gray than when can you assess coaches? It's after mm-hmm. games. It's coming off of buys. It's with extra days. It's coming out of halves. And this this coaching staff has really showed a lot, I think, early on, despite some of the struggles and outcomes of what they do in those moments on in preparation, in-game adjustments, halftime. Like the saying, that's one of the Patriot way sayings, win the middle eight. Mm-hmm. The last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. Win the middle eight is a Belichick thing. We dominated the middle eight. We went and found three points on 90 seconds before we got into the locker room. Huge difference. Shift in momentum. You get to the locker room. You come out. You get the ball back. I think we went three and out, but then took the ball. Or no, yeah. three and out, three and out, and then we scored again. So, like, we're we won the third quarter six nothing. We kicked two field goals in the third quarter. Excuse me. Um, but – Going in and coming out, they're so much better than they were. And that's, I think, my biggest takeaway from this game. It was well coached. It was well executed. Um, credit to the, the players team. who made the plays. But, like, I, I'm only getting so attached to um, those sorts of outcomes because I want this roster to look far different. I, I have my eyes at guys like Gordon and Brisker yeah. and Roquan. Both and, had great games. Yes. And, yeah, but um, those, men- are, those are all good signs as well. Yeah. The mentality of this team, too, I mean, there, you talk about the middle eight, which is absolutely a like a, a, the sign of the good teams know how to handle those from a coaching standpoint, not just execution. But there was a few moments that this year, you know, whether it was a Vikings game where they went down early, 
didn't really quit, came out at halftime and fought back and gave themselves a chance to win the game where, you know, in various years have passed, they lose that game 41 to 10 and were, you know, embarrassed to, you know, to all hell. The Bears were in very close the old bears lose this game after, you know, it's 14, 10 new England has all the momentum in the world. Yeah. And the, the old bears lose that game, something like 28 to 17 or something. That's not all that close after new England had all the momentum in the world. I'm pulling up the drive here. Like the bears went down on a nine play 75 yard touchdown drive capped by a play in ju- that just made. Yeah. The play that Justin Fields made on a quick screen that maybe five other quarterbacks in the NFL right now can make. That was an incredible read, pump fake, shift the arm angle without the laces on. Uh, Unbelievable. His, his hand on the could laces, be, could be just tragic. Could be tragic though. Like that's a, well, the, that's a play. Hey, I almost hey, don't want him to try. Well, if that's also, if that's Patrick, if you're pumping, if you're 15 yard penalty. Yeah, definitely. 100%. No argument there. But if you're pumping perimeter screen, there's a good chance you're watching six go the other way. Like there's going to be, if you continue to do that, there's going to be corners who are there thinking they're about to make a tackle and a ball hits them in the chest. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's what that creates. So I love the outcome. Didn't love the whole. So the mentality of that drive though, the ability to in a rocket stadium on Monday night football in front of the, you know, the entire country on the road, in the rain, you come back down and shove it nine yards, 70 plus 75 or nine plays, 75 yards. That's new. And, and we're, we're looking for signs from Justin. Ryan Poles talked about it, and we, I feel like you and I have been saying this for however many years. Justin Fields has been their quarterback now. Poles met the media and talked about seeing the flashes from Justin and how we need to keep seeing those because we have. We saw a few more of those, and I think in a few different ways. And that was, I think it was the first drive. Maybe it was the second drive. But it was definitely the first quarter where Fields kind of pumped fake, wasn't really there, stepped up in the pocket, starts to run. I think it was third and six or something. It looks like he might be able to run for six. Pulls back up floats one up for Mooney perfectly open in mm-hmm. space for like a 20 yard gain. It's the same thing we talked about Aaron Rodgers doing to us, you know, all yeah, but okay, years he's been around. Here's the thing. Maybe we have to stop hoping that we have an Aaron Rodgers type. Maybe we have to stop hoping that we have like a pocket. Let's, let's hope that develops. Maybe we have a Jalen hurts, uh, mm-hmm. Well, Maybe I think we, we do have one of those guys. That's what I'm but saying. But I'm, I'm like, just more saying the like run, the, ability, the run has to be a part of it. I think you know? it does. And I think at least for now too, because clearly one like clearly in a lot, I feel like a lot of young quarterbacks feel this way. Like running opens things up a little bit and kind of gets the confidence up for whatever reason. And quite honestly, with how many hits Justin Fields is taking when he drops back to pass. I don't really care if we're designing runs for him right now because if we're not designing runs and we're having him stand in the pocket, there's as good of a chance as him taking a big hit anyways back there. Um, yeah. I think right now, especially while he's maturing, yeah, it is. It, that's helping him a little bit. That's helping him get in his groove. I think that's helping him slow down the game a little bit and see the field a little bit more because when you're running the football, you have to have that vision. So if that's helping him right now, is it something that we I, – I, do I want to see him with 14 carries a game? Not that all of those were designed carries. No, I don't want to see him with 14 carries a game going forward. But if we can cut that I'm number back there. to – seven eight nine mm-hmm. here and there mm-hmm. like that's that's a, a nice little like that's a nice yeah. medium because and uh, not that i i didn't mean to say like I'm, i want him to be an aaron Rodgers type with that play but what i'm talking about is the field vision down like he was yeah. getting comfortable running Th- that play that shows maturity because in the past he t- he tucks he runs he maybe picks up five or six yards maybe takes a hit maybe slides maybe gets the first down but to take that extra look downfield we talked about in the giants game when he missed i think it was mooney for a touchdown ended up picking 12 yards on a first down but they ended up not scoring had mooney if he looks downfield 
he had the maturity to take that quick glance downfield, see it, stop, make the throw. And I yeah. just, those are the little he things, was, the flashes I, that we're, we're seeing. I don't want to take anything away from him, but he was just put in so much better position to succeed with this game yeah, plan. Totally agree. A little totally bit of design agree. run. It was Luke Getz's best job. Like I'd love, I'd love to see on how many of the twenty-one dropbacks, or however many dropbacks it was, he threw the ball twenty-one times. On, on how many of those dropbacks was it five-step, read the field, stand back there? I'd say far less than half. Like they Not were, he was, he was on the move, cutting the field in half, making things easy. That's what I want to see. Yeah, and um, it doesn't need to be an immediate onboarding. You know, it needs to be yeah. a year from now. Would I like to see more of that dra- traditional dropback stuff? Yeah, because I hope next year there's an there's an improved offensive line that's a little bit better that's able to pass protect a little bit more. And I think by then Justin Fields will hopefully have matured even more. But like Justin Fields is never going to be you know the true five step drop passer and yeah. read the field and fire yeah. like you have to use his tools. You have to use what makes him good. Like Baltimore is not trying to make Lamar Jackson that. Buffalo is not trying to make Josh Allen that, even though he's capable of doing that a little bit more than those two guys. Like, do what do play, play to the strengths of what you got. Don't try exactly. and shoehorn what you what you have into what you want to do. And Justin Fields can run that offense and run it pretty damn well. But there were man, we talked about flashes. There were some flashes that night, like that spinoff on the the Braxton Jones miss where he spun out to the left, kind of fired it half across yeah. the body to Cole Komet, put it like that was nice. There's, he's doing some things that not many people can do. And, yep. and that's that's two times in three weeks now. Like we said, we wanted to see more of these types of games and not so spread out because before that Minnesota game, the last time we saw a game like it was like the Pittsburgh game on Monday night last year. We've yep. seen two times in three weeks now where he's been the best player on the field. So hopefully this is continued progress. The, I mean, you could go back and what if it, like how do we lose to that Washington game? Minnesota could be a win. Like you could have a much better record, but that's just – um, revisionist history. I think that we are learning from our mistakes. Uh, one place here where I think that the coaching staff learned from their mistakes and another proof that they listened to the podcast was mm-hmm. Ellis Jones Jr. does not appear on the box score. And he was healthy, I believe, right? I think he, I think they, I read, he was on the field for like 13 yeah, or so snaps. You, you can't make, you can't make that many mistakes and expect to be a part mm-hmm. of our game plan. I'm sorry. Uh, Dante Pettis is another reason I know that they were listening. I called for Dante Pettis. I got Dante Pettis. So uh, Dante Pettis, great job with the almost, return game. Almost muffed one too. That was he did. Uh, he did. I'll give wobbly. him a little bit of a break because it was also <laughs> pouring rain at that point. But yes, it was. But next, uh, that's strike one. An NFL professional punt returner has done it. Mm-hmm. Can do it. Continue to do it, please. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, other takeaways from this game, uh, I think that I don't know. I. You know, I want this Bears team to be in the best position to win, not this year, but in the years to come. I think mm-hmm. that we have to see what we can get for David Montgomery, and I'm sure they're fielding calls too. on Montgomery and on Robert Quinn. And if you can get a fifth conditional fourth, which is, uh, I don't think that's happening, as what you just saw James Robinson go to uh, – the Jets, Jets for James Robinson goes to the Jets for a sixth conditional fifth, depending on where it lands. So that's probably more the going rate for like a mm-hmm. David Montgomery. But the depth we have with Khalil Herbert is uh, he might be better. I don't know. Like that's I, I'm almost there where I understand they're completely different type of runners. And that run that Montgomery had where he spun like at the line of scrimmage and then yeah. carried guys for like nine yards. Khalil doesn't have that, but Khalil's got something, man. It feels like he's, he's like a home run hitter who can bang a little bit too. I really like what I've seen out of Khalil Herbert. Yeah. I think he runs behind the ball. I think he has a little bit more patience and vision in his run game. Whereas yeah, this isn't a, this is not a Monty, six to Monty, 
Monty Pause. wants to go like <laughs> Monty like wants to just run into you. Like he wants to be a yeah. bowling ball. He's just, I get the ball and I'm running a million miles it. an hour. Where they, I love that too. And there's a spot it's positive like, yards. I think with this offensive line, uh, Herbert's, you know, vision and patience might be a little bit more, more, uh, more effective. Yeah. Um, I would like to trade Monty, but if the going rate for him right now is a sixth round pick, maybe I just don't think it's think, worth it. I probably think it's worth it too. I don't know what the going rate is, but at this point, like if it's a sixth or seventh, if it's a sixth or seventh or whatever, like I might see him as more valuable in this locker room, helping this team develop a winning culture, and then he talks at the end of the year. That six or seventh is a guy that you percentage wise likely cut, probably getting cut in two or three. Like yeah, it's it's probably not a guy that sticks. Um, But that like I. It's hard for me to say that Herbert's better because Monty's been a guy that's been here, like been one of the few like bright spots for this team for the last you know three years in a very dark period. But Herbert continues to impress each week, and I, I know they. I think Flu said they're going to go with the hot hand last week after the Washington game, and they did start Monty. He ran that first drive, but Herbert and is clearly I mean, more the guy you, they trust wanting to get the ball to. As I say, how do you define hot hand when both of your guys finished with carries of fifteen and twelve for sixty-two yards of? piece and uh longest rush for herbert was 13 longest rush for monty was 12 they were the same human being in completely different ways um but run the ball take the ball away very impressed by the bears Uh, it feels a lot less like a funeral of a season and it's amazing how one result can get you there but in terms of this cowboys game coming up on the road i think you got to do what the eagles did i think you got to look at nick sirianni's game plan i think that you have to put micah parsons in those decision-making situations with Mm -hmm. justin fields you have to leave him unblocked you have to run right at him you have to option off of him and slow him down to get to your other stuff or he's going to be pinning his ears back and he's going to be climbing justin fields all afternoon because that's what this defense does for the cowboys yep and the cowboys i know they just uh what's jonathan hankins that they just traded for up the middle i don't think that's a direct response to playing the bears this week but he's a run stuffer and the bears now have the best rushing attack in football so that's which is kind of cool to say that's something they do well that's the thing um you have to still try and run the ball if you're the bears that has to be like this kind of needs to be your game plan again and like you said they clearly, I think they said even they kind of looked at some Lamar packages for the Ravens and the the mini buy and kind of tried to implement some of those. You have to be the NFL's a copycat league. You have to see what worked last week for the Eagles against the you know, the best defensive player in football right now and try to implement those because this offensive line, this front seven, is not quite equipped to block him. You know, one on one, and you have to get creative in ways you scheme around him. But man, like I'm starting to trust the ability of this coaching staff to scheme around him. Yes, I, I completely agree. Um, I think that I think that that's where we're strong. I think that this coaching staff is showing they can they can fill in some of the deficiencies of the roster through their coaching, and um, that only speaks to the possibilities when it is a roster filled with more talent. So yeah. we'll see what it looks like. But uh, I, I will say one, one last yeah, thing yeah, yeah, from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, how, they, that's literally how we end every Bears. And we do that a lot. I, I, always, I start always, to take I start I want, to take it in. I, I cut I, you off early. I, 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 I early. 90 like, seconds before kind of verbally give you the situation like, so hey, mad at what I make, your, make your last point you're about the Bears. You're going to get so mad at what I Make your last point about the Bears and then I'll take this into the rest of the NFL. And then you go, yep, 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 but, but, but. I got one thing. The floor is yours, Matt. Thank you. I wanted to credit the <laughs> offensive line and the change they made. We've been talking about how. Of course you how, do. Now, if I, they see, I told you you get mad at what I had to say here. I know uh, Sam Mustafer did actually have to come back in after the Patrick injury and played a little bit better. But 
there is zero reason for as long as he's healthy, Michael Schofield to not be a starter on that offensive line. He just, he's better than what they have. And I know Cody Whitehair is a more natural guard and is better at guard, but he can play center. I think when he's healthy, you know what you have in Lucas Patrick and he's hurt. Who knows when he's coming back? You know, what you have in Sam Mustafer. your best chance at running the football well and keeping Justin Fields upright is white hair, Schofield and Jenkins. And that's all I have to say. I thought he was very, very good. I went back and watched a lot of the film. There's a little recap for all you hog heads out there. Now let's get to what There's happened a few here in week seven. Uh, Saints and Cardinals on Thursday night. Let's breeze by this one because it was a year and a half ago. Andy Dalton. Uh, Cardinals had two pick sixes. Yeah, I think that's the story there. Falcons yeah. and Bengals uh, baptized at the Superdome and looking like world beater since. Uh, Jamar and Joe hooking up again. Uh, I believe Burrow had like 350 in the first half and they called off the dogs, finished with 481 and three touchdowns. He's still, if you're letting me start a quarterback, if you're letting me start a franchise with a quarterback, he's... He's my guy. I think he's number three, because just because of how young Allen and Mahomes are right now, I think that's got to be one, two, in whatever iteration. Don't I think he's my three. Two more years. I think he's my three. Um, Fair. Fair. I have a question there. No, that game was impressive, and uh, it seemed like early on... Zach Taylor's just kind of gone back to what he knows works with them. They're in the shotgun a lot more often. Burrow's more comfortable back there. The offensive line isn't that great. And it seems like after trying some new things early with Zach Taylor and it not really working, he just was like, all right, we're going to go back to what we know works. And it's working. Yeah. Um, they're getting Chase. They're scheming Chase open and not just settling for the fact that, oh, there's two on him. Someone else is open. That's mm-hmm. You got to get number one the ball. He's special. Uh, you had the Lions and the Cowboys 24 to 6. What was sort of a sleepy one? Um, 14 points in the fourth quarter by Dallas. Uh, other than that, it was like nothing to show from the first 10 minutes on. Um, Dax returned 19 of 25 for 207 and a touchdown. It was a hand injury. It's going to take some time. I think it's going to take some time so they can open up that playbook. But mm-hmm. Cowboys defense is uh, healthier legit. than most and legit as hell. So uh, I think that my question there would be is, are you scared for this week, Matt? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm just... I think they're I, really good. Yes, I think they're very good. I hope that they... I think the Bears' chance of winning this game is keep... I mean, honestly, keeping it low scoring like it was and just trying to keep running the football and hope you break a couple and have some play you know, play action, quick hitters, rollouts uh, with Justin Fields because this, this is a tough, tough matchup for this team. Titans and Colts, 19 to 10. Titans side of the conversation. This just, I, I, I have no feel for this Titans team. It feels like they should be like two and four, but they're four and two. Um, and in the same breath, I think they're a playoff team that's going to lose in the divisional round. Like that's exactly where we're headed here. Uh, on the Colts side, it's Matt Ryan with a great two shoulder sprain that's going to hold Sam out. Time. But, but Frank Reich says they were going to make that change regardless, which is a weird thing to say as a coach, and says we're going with Ellinger the rest of the, rest of the way. Ellinger was three on the depth chart like three weeks ago. Um, I understand it's very much our situation from last year. Like, does changing Andy Dalton and Nick Foles make that big of a difference? Does changing Matt Ryan and Nick Foles make that big of a difference? Probably not. You need a kid who can extend plays, and Ellinger's that. But, like, what do you make of this decision in Indianapolis? They got 18 million in dead cap tied up in Matt Ryan next year. Like they gave him further guarantees beyond what his Atlanta contract said. They're in to Matt Ryan for some money for the next two seasons. Like, is this is this it's the right decision? Weird. Is this it's, the right thing to say? Like, maybe it is. No, the decision, it's not. It's the right decision. The it's coach, not the right thing to say. As the head coach, especially do you come if you say this, like it's, it's a weird. very uh, like it's it, that like, that had Frank to be Reich a decision. Seat. 
Oh, of course. And Chris Ballard, they're both on the hot seat. Uh, Frank Reich probably gets fired midseason as a last-ditch effort by Chris Ballard to save his job. Um, it's a very weird decision, especially if Ryan's already hurt and you know he's not going to play. You just say, hey, you know, we're going to we're going to the kid. You know, Nick Foles has been great. He's a great, you know, leader in the club, leader in the locker room, all that. But, you know, we need to find out what we have in Sam. You go with Sam. And if he plays well, great. And if he doesn't, you go back to Matt Ryan. It's very – because now you kind of can't go back to Matt Ryan. I think you can, but you look like a fool. I well, think yeah. that you. I think you go back to Matt Ryan once you're the interim head coach, and you're like, "Hey, I didn't agree with Frank Reich. It's Matt's Matt's got the last okay, three weeks fair. here, and he's our quarterback next year too, yeah. or something like that." I don't know. It's just a weird situation. Yes. Uh, we had the Commanders. Excuse me. We had the Packers and the Commanders, uh, twenty-three to twenty-one. The Commanders and the Packers, their third consecutive loss. Uh, Giants, Jets, Commanders, as they get the old. The old East Coast uh, one, two, three there, the Packers, that I'm sure everybody had penciled in as mm-hmm. three wins. You suffer a loss in London. You suffer a loss at Lambeau. You suffer a loss on the road. How much fun are you having right now, Matt, watching the Green Bay Packers? Oh, yeah, it's great. I mean, they just... This, <laughs> and they got the Bills so, coming up. It's so... And now I watch them go, like, beat the Bills because that's how this works. Yeah, um, it but it's just... It's it's interesting that every it's so rare that everybody has the same opinion on some team in an off season and throughout the year, and that it act like usually something changes or you know somebody's wrong about something. Us, every NFL outlet, everybody that talked about the Packers off season said the same damn thing that they don't have enough around Aaron Rodgers and this offense isn't going to be it can't just be Aaron Rodgers and Bakhtiari's been hurt, which has hurt them, but like. They have nobody on offense, and they don't want to, you know, run the football. We talk. I'm a broken record at this point. Look at their pass to run splits. I know they're taking penalties sometimes and putting themselves behind the chains, but still, they ran the ball 12 times. You, I know you paid Aaron Rodgers. You also just paid Aaron Jones a whole lot of money, and he's one of the better running backs in football. You gave him the ball eight times, and I know there's extensions of the run games. He had nine receptions. Great. You need to run the football. And they just don't want to. They have no desire to. Aaron Rodgers is selfish and doesn't want to. He just throws the ball to Al. Like all the receptions were Alan Lazard and Aaron Jones. They combined for 15 of his 23 completions. Yeah, he's it's, he and Tom Brady are both hate playing right now. He's yeah. like, uh, it's like I want to. I still want to win. I want to succeed, but I'm not going to smile. I refuse to smile, even if yeah. things go well. Like, yeah, like there's a lot of sass right now between Green Bay and Tampa Bay, and that's where we go next. As the Bucks lose 21 to three to a Panthers team that traded their PJ number one Walker. wide receiver, they traded their number one wide receiver on Monday. They traded their number one running back and a world beater, uh, do it all guy on Thursday, and they beat Tom Brady and did not allow a touchdown on Sunday. What in the hell is going on in Tampa Bay? I have no idea. I mean, I know they're not healthy fully, and that offensive line is... They're not healthy. They're not focused. Yeah. From from him leaving camp for 10 days, from him going to Robert Kraft's wedding, all these reports, what's going on in his personal life, that's none of our business. But it becomes our business when when it's not... When it's apparent that he's not who he usually is. When it's Mm -hmm. apparent that he's not... When he's acting out of character, I'm not. I, I'm not making any suggestions about his marital life, about mm-hmm. what he's going through, about how it's affecting his play. But the decisions that he's making that we are privy to, leaving camp, uh, leaving the team on a Friday night to go to a wedding of a owner of another team. I understand it was a guy who took care of you and yeah. made your career. Yada yada yada. Whatever it may be, I just don't see Tom Brady doing that three years ago. I don't see Tom Brady doing that last year. 
Um, there was some weird stuff going on in Tampa Bay with Arians, but like this is just sort of like it, it's it's borderline dysfunction, which is something we've never had to deal with with Tom Brady. No, it's like he's half in and half out, and I don't I don't know what his plans are. I know it seemed like he kind of did want out of Tampa Bay a little bit, or while well, he didn't say it, it might have been somewhat known that he didn't want to be in Tampa this year, but kind of had to had his hand forced to come back if he wanted to play. I don't know what's going on there, but something is off. Something is wrong. And I, I'll still say, like we talked about when he was with the Patriots, I would rather, you know, be wrong about. I'll drown with the boat. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go down with Tom win the Brady, division. Thing, believing that he's going A to game figure over it out. Eight wins wins that division. That division this, is so yeah. bad, but this feels like once they get to the playoffs, if they do end up winning the division, that they're going to be in some trouble. Yeah. They just, it, it, it doesn't seem like same old, like the, the Patriots struggles that they had early, uh, you know, early on in season sometimes, or the, the Bucks struggles. They no, this on is, the this is his worst start this since is, the year 2002. Yeah. This is the worst start since the year 2002. Uh, Giants and Jags speaking in 2002. I think that was the last time these two teams were both good, but uh, Jaguars record does not reflect that. The struggles continue. Trevor Lawrence looked a lot better in this game, but still red zone woes and the Giants, uh, they just continue to find ways to win ball games, like close ball games that they shouldn't win. They continue to win on the road here against Jacksonville. Daniel Jones looked like Justin Fields, looked like Jalen Hurts, looked like a dual threat quarterback. And this one, I believe he ran for over a hundred yards, if I'm not mistaken. And the Giants are now six and one, Matt. Um, what, what do you do? What do you do? And I think we've asked this question on this podcast before, but what do you do? You can only franchise to have one player. Are you franchising Daniel Jones? Are you franchising Saquon? Are you saying goodbye to Saquon? Are you paying Saquon and franchising Daniel Jones? Are you paying Daniel Jones and franchising Saquon? What are you going to do? They're playing good football right now. I'm franchising Saquon and I'm, I'm, I'm negotiating with Daniel Jones. And if Daniel Jones doesn't want to take a, you know, a right deal answer. that works for me, yeah. I let him walk because – I, I know he's we want our own very, guy anyway. Yeah, like you know? I know he's having a good year, but we talked about it with it, we. I think we talked about this last week when we were talking about how you know the the, the Bears weren't look good, but like, look at the Giants; they don't have that good of a roster. Look how well coached they are. Daniel Jones is playing as well as he is, I think, because Brian Dable's a really good coach and he knows how to scheme for his quarterback. So I don't think you keep Saquon Barkley, you keep the weapon, and then you go either. I don't know if that's. I, if that's Cooper Rush being a free agent for a placeholder while you get a guy, or that's finding a guy in the draft you like, you go get your guy. And it's nothing against Daniel Jones. He's having a nice year, but like this Giants team is very unlikely to go anywhere of substance if they, if and when they, I mean, it look like they're going to make the playoffs. They're six and one. Um, but if they get there, they're very unlikely to go anywhere of substance. And Daniel Jones is not winning you a Super Bowl. So you, okay, you but that's like, Daniel we're, starting Jones, to say that, we're starting to say that about every NFC playoff team here. Like they're going to get there, but they're not going to do anything. Someone's got to do something. Bears. Like I understand, I understand it's the Eagles, but like Bears. a couple of these teams are going to play each other. It's going to be a bad NFC divisional game. And someone's yeah. going to move on. <laughs> the, I know we joke about the, uh, you know, we just want the Bears to be in the hunt and that graphic come, you know, mid-season. Did you see the like the wild card standings? You two, three, and three teams, and like seven, three, and four teams, and the Bears are one of them. But that's how bad the NFC has been this year. It's just it's all a bunch of average to below average teams. A few more games to get to here, Matt. We had the Browns and the Ravens. Ravens squeak by twenty three to twenty. Um, I'm trying to rack my brain on what this one looked like. It didn't look and... like a lot. It's it's weird to say for a Lamar Jackson game, but it was one of those like red zone forgot games. I mean. I don't know what to make of Baltimore. Like it, at times they look great. And at times they barely skate by Cleveland at home and can't hold on to a 10, you know, a seven point lead against the giants and the run the, like 
I don't know what to make of them. Like they're, they look great one week and they look terrible another. And I, they have that win over Cincy at home on Sunday night football, which is a big win. But like the more these weeks go on, the more I'm starting to believe more and more in Cincy than I am at Baltimore. Yeah. I, I think that that's a fair assessment. I just don't know. I feel like after last year's injuries, that was the excuse of why they lacked identity this year. There's not much of an excuse other than the fact that you traded away what was your top wide receiver on a team that really didn't have a top wide receiver. Um, mm-hmm. I, that was questionable, but um, I, I just, I really can't, like you said, you can't put your finger on what they are. And Lamar is being asked to do so much that I sort of give him the benefit of the doubt when he's making these late mistakes in games, because he's got to Like he's got to try and put this team on his back. He's got to try and ad lib everything. And yeah, sometimes you got to play within yourself, but not when you're chasing points, not when you're trying to move your offense that has stalled out five straight drives. Like you got to try and make something happen. And you're being left to shoulder that load on your own. So I don't know how much I can point at Lamar as the problem, but he definitely has to protect the ball better because they almost just blew another second half lead in this one. They got to find a way to go out and get him a weapon that isn't just Mark Andrews. Like Rashad Bateman's a fine player. Devin Duvernay is a very fast receiver who's fine, but like they need to go out. Like they, I'm not going to call Hollywood Brown a legitimate, you know, number one stud wide receiver in the NFL, but he's, he's that next tier, you know, one, a number two for sure. And yeah. they traded him without much insurance behind him. They, they need to go get Lamar a guy because he's good. He's trying to do things himself, but like he needs some help. Like all these other stud quarterbacks have guys to fall back on. And I feel like Mark Andrews is really the only guy that Lamar has to, to fall back on at the time. And even he, him is, you know, a, a Travis Kelsey light. Stop it. Get some help. He's very good. He, oh, sorry. I thought you were t- telling me. To uh, stop. No, I was doing the Michael Jordan thing. Yeah. Uh, Jets Broncos. Jets win 16 to 9 and a, a bit of a slog. Brett Rippon is not the answer in Denver either. Is sure. Held scoreless in the second half. I'm pretty positive. Sure. Um, it's just a mess with the Broncos. I, I want to read you a tweet that just came across my timeline. Oh, please tell uh, me this is what I'm thinking of. Early today, uh, about three hours ago. Yeah. Reported by Zach Stevens, Russell yes. Wilson worked out and stretched <laughs> for four of the eight hours on the flight from Denver to London. Said he was doing high knees in the aisle when the rest of the guys were asleep. Holy shit. I'm going to start requesting. Like, if I'm, if I'm Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton, I'm, I'm asking out. I want out. Trade me. I'm, I'm not I'm coming 100%. back. 100%. It's me or it's him. I can't play with this guy. He's here for five years. Send me somewhere else. Turn send me, me Jerry Judy, send me to the Chicago Bears. I'm I want to go playing, there. Same yeah, colors. I, I, I'm not playing with this freaking guy anymore. He's a, he's a joke wrapped up in a cliche, wrapped up in uh, body dysmorphia. Like, like he's just like, a, he, he's like, he he almost is like a Gen Z, like super soft, like wants to. I don't know. I don't know the. I don't know what I'm trying to. I don't know the connection I know, I'm trying I to make. I know exactly he's what a, you're he's saying. He's a TikTok though. kid. He's a. That's what he is. He wants everyone to like him, and he's going to do the TikTok dance that he's supposed to do to make everyone like him. That's what he. Is. That's the point I'm trying to make here. It's like Russell Wilson has not acted genuinely in five years. Russell Wilson has not done what he thinks. Not Russell Wilson has not acted from his own emotions in a half a decade. He acts how he thinks he should act in the public eye. It's disgusting. Nobody, nobody, and like he's gonna see this tweet and be like, "Yeah, they know I was doing high knees on the flight." Like, no, they know I work hard. No, if if I was on that team and I was on that flight, I would alert the air marshal and have him taken down. I would have him handcuffed yeah, in the I aisle. Have the captain, if he was doing the, high knees the on the way to London. Sign on. 
Oh. But like he's he's the we've all been in locker rooms. He's Exhausting. the tryhard. He's the tryhard that just nobody likes. Like it's like the dude who you know we, you know when you're doing lines and drills, you're supposed to jog and you know get in line quick. He's the dude that while everybody's jogging, sprints to the front of the line and has to be the first one to go. Like it's it's cringy. Like reading it's that cringy. tweet That's was like I was I was scrolling through Twitter, like walking in my hallway, and I was like, oh my. God, like, why? Why are you do? What is wrong with you? What is going through your head that makes you think this is what people want to see from you? Okay, and here's the here's the problem: is he's concerned with what do people want from me, not what does my team want from me. If you're thinking that way, who does my team need? Who does my team need me to be? Then it's an act of selflessness and leadership. He's who does the public eye need me to be yes. is, is what Russell Wilson acts from. If it was who does my team need me to be, I think there's a different version of Russell Wilson shape-shifting into form there that might be a little bit more effective. Because when you hear guys like Marshawn Lynch and Richard Sherman saying you got to go through his manager to yeah. even say happy birthday or get, get a, ask him a question or he's uh unreachable to current teammates throughout the week like what are we doing here all right so you know uh you know the this is i'm going off this tweet because i'm scrolling through twitter the zach steven sweet just got quote tweet it's really funny it's uh, you know the video when gordon hayward had that really gruesome injury on opening yes. night it's it's Dwayne wade it's jay crowder like kneeling like oh my god like shaking their heads and it's Jerry Judy's reaction. He wakes up mid-flight. And Russell Wilson is doing high knees down the <laughs> down the aisle way. <laughs> like at what point? At what point? If you're Russ or if you're Nathaniel, I guess you can. If you're Nathaniel Hackett, because now you're actually trying to save your job. But like, just like make up an injury and sit him down for the rest of the year, and like go get help. Like just figure this out. Figure out your own head. This guy is not worth shit to us. Go figure yourself out. I don't know. It's uh, and that's that's the Broncos Jets game. It's bad. We got a we got a uh, associate producer who's a Broncos fan too. So we're getting getting like the actual emotional fan angle of it is tough too. Like they're they're broken. Like they thought. And Matt, I had this thought this week. Remember when it was Russell Wilson? Or it was death? us. Give me give it me Russell us. Wilson or give me death. I was just I, I, I couldn't I was I couldn't be happier to be wrong and incorrect on something. Oh, I, oh my god. Uh, so Got to keep rolling here, Matt. We got the Texans and the Raiders. Raiders win 38 Oof. to 10. Best two and four team I've ever seen. Josh Jacobs, just hand that man the rock. He went for 144, 154, 143 in consecutive weeks. He had three touchdowns this week. That is your path to victory. I understand you have a quarterback who's had 5,000 plus passing yards in how many straight seasons. You have a receiver in Devontae Adams. Use all those things. Have that be a part of the game plan. But your path to victory and getting back to being competitive in the grand scheme of the AFC runs through Josh Jacobs. I truly believe that. This is just a common theme in the NFL. If your quarterback's name, if your quarterback <laughs> isn't Patrick Mahomes, and even they try to run the ball, they have a balanced attack. You have yeah. to be able to do both because if you cannot run the football, you're going to have a team that just sits back, rushes four, and is able to is and is able to you know um, defend you. Like run the football, have a balanced attack. If you run the football effectively, it opens up everything, and that's what happened today for the Raiders. Didn't go well early on. They were t- tied at half. They were down early. They kept with it, stuck with it, and blew it open in the fourth quarter. Uh, it was another win on the road back. I still believe in the Raiders. I know I gave them out as like divisional. That's not happening. I know you about they, Derek I, Carr. That's you tell me happening. they're in the playoff. I wouldn't be shocked. I think they, I think that this is a playoff. They're, they're I think good they're enough talented enough. I think they have the pass rush. Mac Crosby is a, a top five guy in the league right now. Um, 
I'm not quitting on my Raiders just yet. Seahawks, Chargers, 37-23. You have a team that's not balanced. Um, not even not balanced. They have nothing. They have no spine. They have no direction. They have a uh, – I, I don't know. We, we I continue to do this with Justin Herbert. I, I want – that is the archetype of the quarterback I want mm-hmm. leading my team physically. Why what, where where is it discon where is it not happening? You're uh, I obviously don't want my guy throwing it fifty one times for two ninety three. He threw it like the other night sixty times for like two seventy something. It's this short, inefficient, make mistakes. I, I don't know. I'm starting to I'm starting to raise an eyebrow at Brandon Staley, obviously, but I'm really starting to raise an eyebrow here at Justin Herbert. Yeah, Brandon Staley is it's I mean it's the same thing you see with a lot of rookie quarterbacks or rookie coaches, excuse me. They, ha- they have very good first years and then the league kind of figures out what they're doing. And you pile that on top of a quarterback who seems like he's having a little bit of confidence issues, whether that's because they can't run the ball, whether that's because his lines hurt, I'm not really sure. But you also have a defense that's now down JC Jackson. That's down Joey Bosa. Like and they're, they're having some of the worst injury luck in the world and they're yeah. not apparently coached all that well. And on the other, I mean, but like we said, need balance. And I know that this is a, you know, a Seahawks team that was up 17, nothing. So you do have to, you know, throw the ball a little bit, but it was 17, nothing early. And then it was a close It was 24, 14 at halftime. It's not like you have to completely abandon running the football. They ran the ball 15 times for 53 yards and threw the ball 51 times. That's yeah. not a recipe for winning in the NFL, unless your name is the Kansas city chiefs. And even a lot of their passes are extensions, of the run game, like we talked about. God, I feel like I'm just blue in the face saying that. Someone it's, hire me. There's a lot of the same problems in a lot of different places. Uh, Seahawks also, you have to tip your cap at four and three. Uh, we'll continue to to praise Geno Smith until otherwise. It's I, you've not, I've never Hashtag seen. Hashtag was right. I've never seen a year nine. Oh, you thought you knew who I was. You have no idea like this. It's pretty. Still pretty hasn't special. wrote back. Still hasn't wrote back. Still hasn't rolled back. Chiefs and Niners, 44-23. The Chiefs sort of stating, hey, it is it is the Bills, the Chiefs, the Eagles, and everybody else. Because the Niners would have been one of those teams that you say, oh, maybe they're at that level. They're not at that level. Um, mm. It was cool to see Christian McCaffrey get traded on a Thursday and play in a different jersey on Sunday, albeit just a couple very basic packages and looks. But um, the, the Niners have a ways to go in terms of health and execution if they want to bark at a team like the Chiefs. That's what I learned in this one. Yeah, they're a team, but that's how they've kind of been through most of Kyle Shanahan's time with the exception of the year where they, you know, host the NFC Championship game over world beaters. They need to get healthy and they need to execute. And I think a lot of those things, unfortunately, in NFL take a lot of time. Uh, this was a bad loss for them. They, they still have a ways to go before they get to be the, play the Chiefs, but they have a spot in the Rams, you know, a team that they play pretty well. They've played already pretty well this year. They need to start doing things right, taking things one game at a time. And I think there's going to be some ups and downs with them. But this is always a team that's towards the end of the year, a little, a few games over 500, and they start to figure it out and play their best football. So I, I still expect come week 14, 15, 16 that we're looking at this team like, oh, watch out for the 49ers. They're starting to click a little bit. Uh, Dolphins 16, Steelers 10. It was 13 points in the first like 10 minutes of this game for the Dolphins and then three for the next 50. Um uh, it's, they looked, I don't, I don't they know. Looked, they look more confident again with Tua, but like, why, why, why was the success reserved to ten minutes of this football game? I, yeah. I a couple interesting decisions, stupid decisions by Mike McDaniel that almost cost them. You kick the field goal to go up nine when you're up just six. Quit, don't be too, don't be too cool for school. Don't be too smart for your own self. Like, take the two score lead. Um, I think they're a good team. I think that 
there's still some things that might get in the way. Yeah. Uh, they had that great win against Buffalo. I know Tua got hurt, but they haven't looked like a team with the same confidence and like swagger that they looked within. They were at that, yeah. at that point. And that's something that I don't know if it's, you know, coming back from injury and still being a little bit, you know, tense, or if that's, you know, a team around, you know, a team around Tua with a quarterback coming back from a, a catastrophic and a catastrophic, very scary. Injury, yeah, I, I hear say. what you're saying. Um, maybe that's it, but this team needs to, it's weird saying this after a win, but like they, they need to get their swagger back. Yeah. And Kenny Pickett I, needs to stop throwing picks. <laughs> but we're just going to give him, we're going to give him yeah, yeah, all like, of what? This is another question. This is another question. How long does Kenny Pickett have before we start calling for his job to put Mitch back in? How long? Oh, God. How long? Well, again, we talk, we've talked about it every week, I think. Mike Tomlin really screwed the pooch with that decision, with that impulse decision. Yeah, which is Never a weird saying, but uh, it, yeah. let's keep things rolling here. Um, Bears two Pages, two legendary Bears. head coaches making bad quarterback decisions in the matter of two weeks. Speaking of which, something that we didn't touch upon that was a big storyline going in but not coming out, that was, a bit, that, was, that was gutsy stuff out of the Bears to not let – to not let Belichick pass Papa Bear against mm-hmm. the Bears. That was that was uh, that was Playing a nice layer pride, that Joe. That I, they played exactly. with pride. I, that, that's, yes, that's what you uh, call pride. They pursuit, play with some damn pride. <laughs> that's it. Uh, that is Week Seven in the NFL, Matt. Um, we got to get in some locks. Uh, I won last week on a under. I believe I gave you the uh, Giants and the Jags under. Yep. So I am three and four. You lost on. Uh, first I had Raiders, Raiders first half. Unfortunately, I should take so the game. So you are Raiders four and three, the and the plot thickens. It's a one game difference heading into Week Eight. Uh, I'll lead us off here. I'm going with another New York team. I'm going with another under. It's New England and the Jets under forty and a half. This Jets team just lost Brees Hall. Yes, they do bring in James Robinson, but again, learning curve, new offense, this, that, and the other. Uh, a quarterback who, if he's asked to win the game, I'm not sure he can, or I'm not sure he can score enough points to do that or refrain from making the mistakes to do that. So I don't think you're getting many points out of the Jets. And New England doesn't know who their quarterback is, and I think that this is going to be a JV split squad situation until uh, Bill comes to the podium and says, it's Mac, or comes to the podium or says, it's Bailey. It's going to be this Mm -hmm. weird feeling, and I don't think that produces too many points either. So it's New England, New York Jets under 40 and a half. I like that under. I'm sticking with an under with the same exact total in a different game. I'm going with the Lunder in London, the London nice. under, the Jags Broncos under 40 and a half. Uh, I mean, if Russ plays, they stink. If Brett Rippon plays, they stink. Mm. The Jaguars offense has big, it's been sputtering since the, really the Eagles game where they played kind of well, but, you know, ended up losing that game. It's been struggling. Um, they just traded James Robinson, who is one of you know their weapons. It's still a weird trade to just move him for a sixth round pick uh, for a guy that I don't think his contract was even up yet. But whatever. No, That's but if you problem. look at the usage, they want they want it to be ETN. Like, okay, fair they weren't handing him the ball. It was weird. Like, I agree that he might even be a better running back than ETN. He definitely protects the ball better than ETN. Yeah. But uh, they, it looked like he was being phased out. Fair enough. But either either way, the the Jaguars offense is struggling. Their defense is pretty solid. The Broncos defense, for as bad as their offense is, is very good. And, you know, like you look at these scores, 17-16 Seattle, 16-9 against Houston, 11-10 against San Francisco. The Raiders game was the one game that was high scoring, 32-23. But Colts-Broncos was 12-9. Chargers-Broncos, 19-16. Jets-Broncos, 16-9. Like, there's a team scoring in single digits in three of their five games, Uh however many games. Like, it's it, it, it's a it's a smart pick. Get on it before it goes lower because I do think that's going to start ticking lower. 
uh, unders are the sharp plays. I've clawed my way back into this conversation by riding unders, whether that be game or team total. Um, let's let's ride it till it bucks us and hope you win the Moose and Runes parlay because I don't think there's been a week since week two that we both um yeah, I, I forgot. Honestly, I forgot to play since, since the week we won. So great. Good on me. I haven't lost. We're back. We're back in week back. Eight, uh, for the Moose and Noons Parlay. Uh, Matt, this one has run a little long on the football front, but that's why we're here in the fall. We're let's give buff. let's give a little bit of a World Series preview because it times up nicely. Game one coming your way Friday. It's the Phillies and it's the Astros. Um, the Astros continue to do what they do, and that's played deep into the season every single season. I believe that was their sixth consecutive ALCS. And they've now been in the World Series, I think, four of the last six or three of the last six, whatever it may be. Um, And they're taking on a Phillies team. It's sort of like this team that has everything versus the team of destiny. But I don't love five days off with the team of destiny. What Bryce did in the bottom of the eighth was one of the cooler things I've seen in sports this year. Um, The moment of his career thus far. So cool and awesome theater. Um, I I implore you all to watch some, some baseball if you haven't this season dive in uh, here in the world series. Cause it's two fun teams, uh, one that's fun to root against. So I think the, uh, I think the Phillies have the hearts and the minds of the American public here outside of Houston, but I think it's Houston in six. What do you, what, what do you, how do you see it? Yeah, I think Philly's going to get a couple, but Houston just seems so good. And Philly has like Philly's bullpen has been good throughout the playoffs, but that's something they really struggle with. And that's something Houston does so well. And like, that's kind of what playoff baseball is now is get it like, being able to get a lead and turn things over to your bullpen. We've seen Houston's just be absolutely dominant so far. And if you make a mistake or two, Houston always makes you pay for it. And I don't think teams have done that to feel like Philly has been good, but they've gotten away with a few things. They've come up with some clutch hits. They do have that team of destiny field. This is the third time in four, four seasons that Houston will go to a world series facing an NL an L East team of destiny with the nationals four, was four years ago, yeah. the Braves last year, but, I think those two teams had, you know, like had better pitching and Aaron Nola's last outing wasn't very good. Zach Wheeler's been fine, but I don't think those guys are, you know, Scherzer and Strasburg. I don't think those guys are, you know, Max Freed. Um, I think I hope the Philly story continues. I'd love to see them make this a series. I'd love to see this go six or seven games, but I don't know, man. Houston kind of just seems like a wagon at this point. Uh, I completely agree with you. They're built to win, and I think that's exactly what they're going to do. What's the vibe um, with the, the Yankee fans? What's going on over there? They were so fatalist by the end of it, getting swept. It was like, good, put us out of our misery. It was weird. Yeah. They were like, and I understand that down 03. It's, you can't it is boo Aaron Judge. No, but that's who they are. That's that's the New York fan. It's And what I've learned about the New York fan, and I will paint with a broad brush here, The um, whether it be... I, I think it's a Yankee thing. It's not just a New York fan. And I think it's like a Yankee giant thing because they had some se- success there in the 2000s. But it's the this notion of we'll celebrate you when you win it. It's like there's no celebration throughout. It was like the fanfare surrounding Judge's home run chase was so, um, I don't know, it was fan-centered. It was self-centered. It was like, mm-hmm. we celebrate him on nights he hits it, but when he goes through an 0 for 10, he's the worst ball player in the world. It will, we'll celebrate you when you win the World Series, not the fact that you gave us a 99-win season. Like, we'll, like there's, there is no enjoyment of the journey. It is strictly about the destination. It is strictly about the outcome, and when you don't make it to the outcome, which they haven't in... 
20, no, excuse me, 2009 would be 13 13. years, 12 years. It's, this is like, there's a, we're, we're bearing a new generation of Yankee fan that doesn't know what it is to be the team. And they still have this air that they are. Um, But at the end of the day, like, I think they all were very resigned to the fact because it is a very educated fan too. And they Mm -hmm. understood they had no bullpen. They couldn't score if it wasn't home runs and beyond the five hole, even beyond the four hole, there wasn't much after you lost DJ LeMahieu, Andrew Benintendi, um, you lose uh, E E frost out of your bullpen. Uh, Chappie completely lost his mojo and then wasn't even on the roster. You lose a guy like Michael King, you trade away a a guy like Montgomery. It was just, uh, Mm -hmm. I, I think that it was, at no point did they feel like that they were the team and, and, no. but they still, they still have that expectation. So it's, it's, there's a, there's a, a bit of uh, uh there's a bit of a uh, disconnect there in expectation, reality, and the way they act because of those things. <laughs> yeah. I, I think what it came down to was in the end, like ultimately this was a very flawed team that in the regular season used a really, really hot start and some really, really hot bats to kind of, get themselves this point where, you know, people thought they were kind of elite when really, you know, they got off to what was it? Like a 51 and 18 start or something like that. And then kind of super elite. They just, yeah. they hit that stretch where they, I think August, they, kind, they were like, yeah, it they was the worst months since the twenties yeah. or something things like that. Things came back down to the mean, like things kind of like water found its level. Water always finds its level in sports and it kind of found its level with them. Are they as bad as the team that they were in that August stretch? No, but they definitely were not as good as the team that, you know, we saw have that awesome start to the year. And I think they probably ultimately ended up where they belong, which is better than teams like Cleveland, but still just not in the same league as Houston. Can I, can I make a, can I make a prediction here? Of course. I'm going to give you two things. I don't know who's not going to be on the Yankees next year, but I'm gonna give you two names, a player and a manager that are, which one do you want first? Let's go with the player. Cause I think that Aaron judge, saw the- Aaron judge is a Yankee next year. I, I just think that, I think that the market for him outside of New York exists in specifically LA with the Dodgers. I don't think he would, I don't think he wants to be an angel and I don't know how Anaheim would find that money, but yeah, I think he wants to be a Dodger. I think he wants to be, I don't know if he wants to be that. I could see him as a Dodger, a Chicago cub, or a New York Yankee. I think that the Giants thing makes no sense. You're going to go to the ballpark that is the deepest ballpark to the place where you hit your most home runs. It makes no sense. We're like, okay, do you want to become like a gap double guy and just like do that all season long? Mm-hmm. Great. It's You can win a lot of baseball games that way, but like, do you really want to take away right center field? Because that's what you're doing if you go and be a Giant. I think that it was very telling when he hit the home run against Cleveland, when he came back into the dugout and kissed the NY the day after they booed him. I think that was a gesture from him to the New York fans. I think that, I think that they give him the deal. And I think that they give him the deal because Hal Steinbrenner is going to look at Cashman and say, you want to keep your job? You better keep that guy. I think that Aaron judge is the domino that makes all things fall. And if he's not, and if he's not a Yankee, I don't know that Brian Cashman is a Yankee because his contract's up as well. I think that the head that rolls from this season, the scapegoat is Aaron Boone. I think that Don Mattingly has already shaken a hand and he's going to be the manager of the Yankees. That's why he ended the season with like two weeks left in Miami, which made no sense. I think that there was a sit down when, when the Yankees were struggling and one of the Steinbrenners sat down with Mattingly and said, you're not a Marlin anymore. You're our manager next year, no matter how this ends. I think it's Donnie baseball. I think it's Aaron judge. And I think that, I think that's what it has to be if the Yankees want to continue to move forward or it's, it's a reset not, yeah, or it's a reset. Like, so 
Well, there, there is a report that, you know, Cashman and Boone are likely safe, but who like that doesn't really like it's uh, a report saying, but yeah, because it's and now what, what New York fans will tell you when, cause I just kind of gave that diet. Yeah. I, I regurgitate, not regurgitated that. Yeah. That's something mm-hmm. I offered to the New York fans in the newsroom the other day. And they said yeah. all well and good. And that would be the case a hundred percent that we would sign the biggest player and get the manager we wanted. If George was alive, yeah, Hal, just, runs, Hal runs the team differently. It doesn't seem like the same team. And like, if this is the 2005 Yankees or the, you know, 1999 Yankees. Yeah. I think you're right, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels like they're content. But I'm saying it has to be, that's your, that is, you need some sort of, those are the first steps back towards dominance. Like you need to build, you need, there are things that need to be done on this roster around Aaron judge. This is not, don't cry poor. You, you have one of the most, profitable and valuable franchises in American sports. And you don't have a salary cap. Keep the guy. That's what's got to be so frustrating as a Yankee fan, because you like they do cry poor, but they're not poor. They're still the New York Yankees yet. They still year in and year out kind of say like, no, we can't do it. And like the Mattingly story is, I mean, it's nice and it's bringing back a Yankee legend, but like he hasn't exactly been, the best manager around. I know he did fine with the Dodgers, but everybody kind of does fine with the Dodgers. He's terrible with the Marlins, but everybody kind of does terrible with the Marlins. It's like, I'm not like I, you need some sort of change in the dugout, whether that is whether they have had interviews with Don Mattingly and think it's him or somebody else out there with Joe Espada or whoever here's, the hell. Here's why you I like need, Don Mattingly. You need a new voice in the dugout that isn't Aaron Boone. Here's why I like Don Mattingly. And Don Mattingly only works if the organization allows it to work because the Yankees organization has become a, uh, Mike Mayock and John Gruden situation, for lack of a better term. Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone set the lineup together. It's not Booney's lineup yeah. card. It would have to be Mattingly's lineup card. Much like you saw Buck Showalter come into New York and say, give me the analytics. I want to see the data. I'll make the decisions. The computers yeah. can give me the information. I'll set the lineup. What the Yankees did for the last month of the season, I know a lot of it was spurred by injury, but you didn't see the same lineup twice. You didn't see the same leadoff hitter for the last six games of the season. It was Bader. It was Rizzo. It was Judge. It was, um, I think Cabrera was up there one day. Like it was the computer was spitting out a different iteration that the computer said gives us the best chance to win today. And then Booney fills out the lineup card and puts it up on the wall. There needs to be, there needs to be a feel. And there needs to be a consistency. The Astros have run out the same lineup and come out of the bullpen the same way and rolled out the same starters. Like it's that's how you win is consistency, not just in play, but consistency and expectation creates consistency in play. And this whole analytics tell us what to do that the Yankees have leaned very hard into because of Ryan Cashman needs to be audited as well. And I think a guy like Don Madden could come in the way that Buck did and say, ho, 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 I'll take your numbers. I set the lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the that's the approach every baseball team should be. We've talked about it. There has to be a middle ground between the analytics and the feel because the analytics don't take the emotion of a locker room. They don't take consistency. They don't take routine of players into a locker room. Not yet. Mental makeup into like, <laughs> Jesus. The, the day that happens, I probably stop watching. It's baseball. coming. It's it coming. probably is. Um, but I think you're right. And this, I can't wait to watch the Aaron judge sweepstakes because there's going to be so many teams that are going to be involved. And there's going to be so many teams. Uh, that are I don't, even, just don't, don't make it a sweepstakes. Cause if it's a sweepstakes, Matt, it's good. Oh, I got to come be. up. I got to come up and ask questions about things that haven't happened yet on air because oh, I want to go breaking and say, 
Oh, reports Aaron Judge was in the Hamptons with the Dodgers sitting down with Magic Johnson and so-and-so. Mm-hmm. So we got to go breaking with this. Well, what? The fact that he had Nobu? Yeah. Like that's, what, that's what did he what, order? Exactly. So I want it to be Yankees come to terms with Aaron Judge on a seven-year fucking billion-dollar contract or whatever it's going to be. <laughs> For um, your sake, I hope it happens. I don't think it's going to happen. I think this is a full-blown – and at this point that it's gotten this far – that he didn't sign that extension in the offseason, I think it'd be irresponsible on his part to not listen to everybody. It'd be irresponsible by the Yankees to not have already put the contract I, oh, yeah, I agree. It's irresponsible for that they did not come to a deal with him at the beginning of the season. No, 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 but I'm saying that's fine. And then everyone said, all right, let's reconvene after the season. It's after the season. We should have news that he has been offered X amount of years for X amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. The fact yeah. that that hasn't happened yet means that there's still bit. too many conversations happening. means that you're overthinking it, and it might not happen. So, I don't know. He's probably going to get an offer, and I don't think it's going to be the one that he takes. But for your sake, I hope I hope this is a quick process that ends with him as a Yankee back in pinstripes soon. Or a White else, Sox, either one or, one or the other. Or a White Sox. We yeah, got a short porch out, there. right? We got a short porch out, right? <laughs> uh, I, I think that's going to do it. Else. These, fun, these, these shows are more fun when the Bears win. So, Bears, go go keep winning more. Yeah, go do that again. Go do that yeah, again. Do that again. If you don't, we're just not going to talk about you because there's a lot going on across the league. But for now, Both thank you for tuning in to episode 272 of The Pod. Alongside Matt Rooney, I am Joe Musso. Get in that uh, mailbag. We did get a friend of the response. pod, Rob Gallick, also did gave us, give us a couple more mailbags. So, I want to yeah. credit him. We didn't get him to him this week, but we're going to. We have a lot to cover. Bears bye week is going to be a big mailbag week, I feel like. Love that. Love that. Bye week mailbag. Get your questions in. But for now, he is Matt. I am Joe Matt. Say goodbye to the people. Later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.